Please listen carefully. Can I say, I, you know how I know that we don't make movies worse by watching them together? Lovebirds, excellent. Oh, yeah. One of the best movies oh, of the year. Oh, yeah. I almost picked it. We did a whole episode on it, and then we just never used it. We can talk about it in this episode that, like, one of our lost episodes. In the archives. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Everyone and Their Sister. I'm Christina. I'm Natasha. And I'm Stephanie. Welcome back to another part of our little best of year wrap up for the month of December. Uh, Today we are going to be talking about the best movies of the year. And this one's going to be really interesting because of the weird way movies came out this year, the few that actually managed to make it out. Uh, So this will definitely be a little bit of an interesting one. And at the end, we'll do a little wrap up of what are some of the worst movies of the year, of which there was a plenty to choose from. Because what did come out this year, a lot of it was fucking garbage. (laughs) So we'll go into that. Uh, But before we get into our full episode, uh, what, how'd your week goes, guy? What have you guys been doing? What are you up to right now in quarantine? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just finished writing a bunch of Christmas cards. I guess that's what I've been up to. Finishing my Christmas shopping, for sure. I kept falling asleep at 7 p.m. and waking up at 8, and then I am up till 2 and 3 in the morning. So that's me. I gotta stop doing that. That really makes sense as to why you've been so active on the Instagram chat past 11 p.m. Whereas previously, me and and Nat would go all night, and Steph would have been in bed resting peacefully like an angel at 11 (laughs) always shocking when you respond stuff i'm like what's happening i'm she's sure awake i'm a teen girl again when i would go to bed at four and wake up for at eight for my classes i like i feel bad <laughs> like i wake up from a nap and i'm like i feel awful why don't you just sleep all the way through you dumbass your nap's gonna be in the middle of the day take it at lunchtime and then eat while you're working mm-hmm. i i don't know if when I we do it when we did that little cottage together and we were doing the midday naps at around 2 p.m., oh, yeah. mm, perfection. See, I would love a 2 p.m. nap every day. Too bad I have to work, you know? I'm just saying, just block it out in your timeline. Use that as your lunch hour. You make a valid point, I must say. I think you can do it. And I think that will, I mean, not that I don't love having you on Instagram at 2 a.m., <laughs> but also the more things that are happening on Instagram at 2 a.m., the less likely I am to sleep. And that's been causing me problems as well. Because while I'm not sleeping through my alarms, I am playing a dangerous game of uh, 10 minutes, another 10 minutes, another 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then it's half an hour and I've not washed my face yet. That's Is uh, anybody, like, are you, are you guys losing track of time, like, completely? Like, there was one moment where I was reading something and I thought it was still, like, 10 o'clock. And I looked and I was like, why is it so quiet in the house? 1 a.m. Do you remember the day I messaged you and I was like, I thought I had been playing yeah. uh, Among Us for, like, an hour. And I was like, oh, I started at 11 and I was looking at the clock on my microwave. But I'm blind. So I thought it said 12. I put on my glasses. It said 2 a.m. I had been playing for three hours. Wow. There's like a period of time between like 10.30 and 12 that it's like it could be five minutes. It could be three hours. Yeah. And TikTok was really bad for that. I was on TikTok a, a lot for like a week. And then I was like, I don't want this. I can't do it. The 60 second TikToks are what 
make you stay on there for so long because you actually it's a decent amount of time but you don't realize it so getting through 30 tiktoks is half an hour it's ironic that an app named after the sound of a clock is the thing that keeps destroying the concept of time (laughs) i didn't even realize i didn't even think about it that much but you're right definitely didn't think about it that much But yeah, phone games have become a part of my lexicon, and the phone games are a big time suck. The only thing I'm doing lately that I'm getting any joy out of is not even the games, it's Christmas shopping. Um, I've mentioned a couple times I'm putting together Christmas gifts for you guys in particular, and they're excellent. I feel stressed. But it's also- Can't leave up to it. You know, when I say it's excellent, I mean like, I've been buying things for you and then also buying things for me at the same time, so it's like a- like a, a three people thing. So it's also just very enjoyable because I'm buying things for myself and then I'm getting packages and I'm like, one for you, one for you, two for me. <laughs> well, I'm already thinking about what I need to buy and I'm like, oh, I need to put a Sephora in order for my gift. Oh, I guess I need to put in other stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, the the best day in terms of like being a shopping monster recently was the day I told you I put on a pair of jeans and I was like, oof, that those are tighter than they were before. And then so I bought a pair of airy bike shorts and a sweater to make me feel better. <laughs> That was a $40 purchase that happened just so that I could experience a serotonin boost for four seconds. I'm going to buy underwear later and I'm so happy. (laughs) I'm like thrilled about it. I love that we're all living great lives. Yeah, truly. Uh, And on that note, let's talk about the best movies of the year. Steph, what is something you watched this year that was actually worth watching? Um... (laughs) Still, I'm mad. I'm like, you haven't decided. Well, I was thinking, I was like, you're gonna pick Little Women because I did technically watch that movie January 2020. That was the last and only movie I saw in a theater this year. Um, but I'm not gonna pick that. I think, I think I'm gonna have to do American Murder, The Family Mm. Next Door, Mm. which is a Netflix movie that came out in September. Uh, it's not that long. It's like an 82 minutes, the Wikipedia article is telling me. But it's about a man that kills his whole family. And the whole movie or documentary, we'll say, is like, there's no like narrator. There's no overlying uh, someone telling you what's going on. It's just clips that they've all put together that tell the story because you have like the officer's uh, body cam. You have their home security footage. You have Facebook posts, tw- text messages um the calls that her friend was calling the police department on you have his confession in the police uh mm-hmm. what, what is the name of that called department like police the interrogation room yeah his interrogation him getting a polygraph test so it's all clipped together so no one's actually telling you the story you just like you use your brain and you figure it out but it's like really fascinating when you because obviously the man killed his wife and two two children one was his wife was pregnant and his two younger daughters um so it kind of like takes you on the story of like why he actually did this but they give you little pieces here and there so you don't actually know what's going on until about like i'd say you realize fairly quickly what's going on but in maybe 20 minutes you're like oh when he when he comes home after his her friend has reported basically i guess we'll talk about the timeline because it's pretty wild she gets home the wife gets home oh what's her name Ooh. Hold on, I need to get these people's names. This is why you gotta have the Wikipedia pulled up. It, I I do, but they don't have her names in there. That's why I'm mad about it. I remember 
remember one thing that I thought was interesting uh, for this one is that so the the woman that dies the the wife the mother is a like MLM like Facebook mom so she makes a ton of Facebook video posts and so they have so much video evidence and text messages of all of her interactions and that made this a real a wild one shiny. Shanann, Shanann is her name. Shanann, yeah, it was like something. Shanann was like not. It was like not Shannon. Yeah, I remember that specifically. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's why like the the video evidence is so compelling because like something that could look like something that she put out for the world could look totally innocent, but then with the background Context. of knowing how the murder happened, you're like, look at the way he's looking at her. Look at the way she interacts with his family. It's insane. So Shanann gets home at like 2 a.m. from an MLM conference, which I'm going to, a side note, MLMs have taken over my whole year. <laughs> Don't know how that happened, but it's true. So she gets home from a conference at 2, p- 2 a.m. Her friend is worried because she knows Shanann has an appointment at 9, but and she said she would like drive her or talk to her, but she hears nothing from her. So the friend calls the police and not even, not even 12 hours have passed since she got home you see the husband come in and talk to the police officer and you can tell you can see in his eyes that he's trying to figure out what his alibi is and how he can't figure out anything and like he's sweating and he's like talking and it's like really uncomfortable and then you have a neighbor that has footage and then the neighbor the chris the guy the murderer murderer yes chris leaves after looking at this footage and then the guy who's on the house like that was so weird that guy never talks to me and you're like oh what is happening but you are you obviously know he killed her i mean it's not a shock as they call family annihilators which is a wild term um i don't yeah like weird like exercise journey how he got fit and the police are like you got fit wouldn't you want to kill your wife now and i was like what like why why is that a thing I'm just, you get so hot you think you can do better than your wife that's like stuck by you like bullshit well the fact that like the police are like this is basically what they do i was just like oh shit does everybody <laughs> i mean that happened because he got fit he had a girlfriend while like he was having an affair and he wanted to leave his wife and their two children for this random girl that was like what the fuck he murdered his family and she yeah she didn't know they were co-workers and she didn't know his uh married but also when you're working out you get higher and you get happier so like what's the relation i'm so happy it's an l woods quote right there (laughs) but it's true you get so happy that you're like i think i can kill my wife and get away with it basically someone needs to do research into that i think like the saddest thing about it was like when the mom of his wife was just like you didn't have to kill her you could have just divorced her i was just like truly like why did you go to that extreme also, and I don't want to, I don't know if you have more to say, like, in terms of the timeline stuff, so I don't want to cut you off, but I think what's important to note here, his family is terrible, mm-hmm. and one of the strains in their relationship was the way his parents treated her, and at first I was like, whatever, people have this problem, but then you see them at the end, and I was like, oh no, I don't like you at all. <laughs> no wonder you raised the murderer. Yeah, defending her son that killed three people, 3.5, because she was pregnant. I always don't like to, don't forget about that, but it's... Like the dad, the dad, like her dad, Shanann's dad, is heartbreaking. Like seeing him in the court case, that was really heartbreaking to see. Yeah, her brother, oh my god, I still like just his face. And the girls' footage, like the two girl, their two daughters. So, yeah. There's a whole thing where, so the way that this one works out is like you follow the 
interrogation and they show you all social posts, but then you also see clips from the actual trial. And so at the trial, both um, her mother uh, gives a statement and so does his mother uh, or his family, his mother and father. And the thing I couldn't stand the most is at one point his mother turns around and looks at him and is like, we forgive you. And literally in my house, I was like, you're not the one that's allowed to forgive anything. You weren't murdered. And also your grandkids were murdered. Like you don't No, no, Mm-mm. not you, not you, not you. Uh, no, I definitely think it's worth a watch. I don't think many uh, murder documentaries are set up in this way. So it's interesting to see how what you can do with footage that we are easily available nowadays and like how you can put that together in piece of story. Also, where he buried the bodies was in- insane. The fact that he just like left the kids in like the water tank thing. I was like, what the fuck? Like that to me, I'm like, there's no you there's something literally wrong. Yeah, you killed someone, but like doing that to the next step put me over the edge. I'm like, what is wrong with you? The like the cop footage when you see it when he first approached like the cop first approaches him he's completely fine like he's clearly freaking about his own alibi he's not he doesn't look like he's worried about like the fact that his wife is missing and his kids are gone he doesn't look regretful he doesn't look like he's broken by what he's done and he clearly remembers what he's done it's not like it was a blind rage like it was calculated methodically killed them and then when he realizes that they're suspecting him he you, he says that his wife killed the kids and then he killed her because of that. He killed all three of them. Mm-hmm. But he was like, like, he hated this woman so much. He not only murdered her, he he acted like she murdered their children. And like, like what the fuck? And you saw this like, footage and you're like, no way. Yeah. It's- when he's sobbing with his father and he admits his father what's happened, it was like... In that moment, I was like, he's sobbing for his life, not even anybody else's. He wants that fucking girlfriend and him to ride off into the sunset. Again, it could have happened if he just divorced her, but you had to go to this extreme. I uh, really love that this girlfriend was like, nah, we're going to catch this bitch. If, if you like look into it, you hear different sto- sides of the story. And like he, the Chris in jail wrote letters to this person who wrote a book about him. So you have like, he's like i lied about this this and this if you want to look into it further but i feel like i don't really care about his point of view 100 yeah. you know all, i'm not like i don't love i'm not standing his girlfriend or anything but i just from the documentary alone all you see is that she's talking to a police officer and she's like yeah we were having an affair he told me he was gonna leave his wife i wasn't sure if he was gonna do it i genuinely never thought that he would kill them but he did this like at least from what's well, shown, she was like, he yeah. told her they were separated. So she yeah. didn't even oh, know yeah, that's he right, was that's right. with his wife. So I was like, this girl was duped. And even if she didn't quite believe him, she assumed something was not right with the couple anyway. So like this. It's tragic. It's an infuriating documentary, basically, because you're like, it was. It shouldn't have happened. Like, there's no it way. It shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was like, I mean, like, no murder should happen, but like, specifically, <laughs> he could have done literally, I'm going to, I'm going to leave, I'm going to divorce, I'm going to leave. Yeah. Like, did there he was- just not have enough money? Like, what was going They had a nice house. Like, clearly, somebody's making money. Like, it was the wife. But, like, again, if she's making more money than you, you can do a settlement. Uh, she was in an MLM. She was making nothing. We don't know when she got into the MLM. She could have been at the top. She could have been in there. I... Like, okay, if his reason for killing her was the MLM was destroying their relationship, I would have been like, mm, okay. I mean, I feel like they probably had a lot of issues in their relationship, and you can blame an MLM for a lot of things, but his whole 
working out, never wanting to have sex thing. Like, oh yeah, there were just the way that it was where it was like he never wants to have sex because he's having sex with his mistress. Like, I the whole time I thought that it was going to end up that he was on steroids or something like that, and that was like it was killing his mm. sex drive and it was making him super into working out and so he was getting very aggressive like i kept waiting for something like that to happen but Mm. in real life things aren't that clean so it was just a fucking mess yeah i don't know how much to say but i will say one final note when that came out one of my favorite tweets about it was this uh girl on twitter who was like trying to decide if i want to document every if i if it's scary to document every single part of my life that there's so much they could make a movie out of it or should I be documenting everything so that if I get murdered, you know exactly who fucking did it? Like, I I was like, mm, that's a good point. Oh, I do have another point. I lied. They kind of sh- they kind of show Shanann in, like, not a very flattering light. Like, yeah. she nagged him. She was hard on him for X, Y, Z. And I – and I it was weird because it was like, you're trying to tell me – trying to justify why he did it? Like, why – Like, I get, like, they showed her text and she doesn't sound the most, like, relationship savvy. But I'm like, this is, like – this is unfiltered, like, you know, it's probably not as, you know – Again, I you, think- she's, she's married to this guy who literally doesn't talk, I don't think, at all. Yeah. I think what's interesting there is you're right. It does kind of come across that way, but I actually think it's because, and this is something that you can look at with like a lot of relationships and just how like so many women are kind of trapped in them because a lot of the things about her being that way are things she's saying about herself. And it's like, and she's like almost gaslighting herself. I think because of things he said to her, because when she's talking to her friends, her friends in text are always like, you're not being crazy. It's not too much to ask for him to call his children to say goodnight to them when you're not in the same city like you're not asking a lot you're not being crazy but she's always the one to be like I don't know maybe I'm being maybe I'm being crazy maybe I'm being naggy or like yeah in a lot of the their text exchanges she's asking him to do things but if you look at them they're basic things call your fucking kids like just say hello to them they're your children they want to hear from you like most of the time or it's like I don't, I need you to stand up for me with your family. They're being dicks. But because that's how they're talking to each other, and I think of the way that she sees herself, you see a lot of that. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. people aren't perfect. I'm sure she was a little bit annoying, but you, she shouldn't have died, you know? Yeah. I feel like people had really like polarizing views on her and her mm-hmm. personality. They really did. Like, they tried to assassinate her character. Mm-hmm. I remember not just um so even after this came out but I was watching and reading some of the people that were like sharing things when this was all happening when this was happening people were like oh she's the worst like they saw her Facebook post and they were like she's so fucking annoying she's fucking terrible we don't think that he did this or like if he did we think it's justified like people really hated her for being murdered it's absolutely absurd because he's like a lightly i'm too, he's ugly but a li- attractive man like that's what i just i mean that's part of it for yeah. sure he doesn't look yeah. creepy yeah the fact that and he I... is the like all-american boy and she's just a she's a lonely woman on facebook like for sure <sighs> all right not <laughs> yeah that's that's all all right. <laughs> Mine will probably be pretty short, too. Um, I didn't really watch a lot of movies during COVID. I tried. 
It's fine. Let's not worry about it. My my movie, I think, came out in 2019, but I watched it right before COVID started, so it was definitely this year. Um, it was The Farewell, starring Aquafina. Um, the movie is, I think it's on Crave or Prime or something. something. It's on a streaming device, whatever. Watch it. Highly recommend. It's a funny, somewhat uplifting movie. Um, apparently, the the director said that the movie is based on an actual lie so it's like on her own family i think her name's lulu wang yeah like it's like a real story about her own family and her own grandmother but the story basically centers around aquafina who her name i think is billy in the movie um she reluctantly returns to her family's hometown in china to find that the whole family knows that the matriarch nai nai has been given just a few weeks to live but they decided not to tell nai nai that she's going to die in a few weeks because they want her to live her remaining days happy surrounded by family so like they make an excuse to gather under the guise of like i think her cousin is having like a last minute wedding with like a woman he doesn't really know that well but it's fine typical (laughs) um so that's like the reason why everybody's gathering apparently and like i think (laughs) i think anybody who i talked to about this film will know that i've always said within five minutes of this film i was sobbing cradling a tissue box in my arms the whole time I didn't stop crying until a good 15 minutes after this movie was done and my mom was like what the hell is wrong with you and I was just like so it's like it wasn't even like sad sobs some of it was happy sobs it's a bittersweet movie I feel like this is a good cathartic choice it's like it's a very cathartic cry when you do it um I felt like a pretty strong connection to this movie specifically because like the matriarch and my own family is going through late stages of dementia so a lot of the decisions we've been having to make together is what to lie about and what not to lie about because like you don't want to upset somebody that's like sick right and so like because of covid we can't book like a plane ticket to go visit her so watching this movie was like heartwarming in that way to see that her like grandmother was happy with like the whole family there and just like having their little happy fun moments but um one of like the funniest things about this movie is like this weird dichotomy throughout like the whole thing so like it is like based on like a real story a real story real live whatever but it's like it's a realistic contemporary movie with like the weirdest most surreal aspects happening in it at the same time so they'll be like Aquafina will be like on the couch chatting with her mom about how everybody's lying to their nine eye and then like in the background you'll see an uncle wearing really bright red pants completely passed out drunk just like <laughs> it's like it's a hilarious like what the hell's happening but at the same time there's like this real serious thing happening but then it's really light at the same time which I thought was done beautifully throughout the film. Um, I did read like a Mediaversity review for this film as well because of course, of course I would. Um, it got an A plus by the way, which is love it. Um, and Lee from Mediaversity made this like really great remark about how the film does such a great job at building all these side characters and like <laughs> she literally says she's like nobody has the excuse anymore to say that like oh I didn't have enough time to like build in really full side characters or like like supporting cast members because this film was able to do it and they did it fucking well like it was beautifully done you felt like you knew everybody their relationships were really clear when somebody hadn't seen somebody in a long time you could just tell in in the way it was done and it was done well it wasn't long it was beautiful 
beautiful film. I don't want to spoil too much because I think everybody should watch it. I don't know if it was nominated for anything, was it? Do we know? I feel like so few movies came out this year. If you came out, you were nominated for something. Uh, oh, in many, many, many nominations. A Golden Globe. One, go- a Golden Globe for Aquafina for Best Actress. Uh, one indie awards for best feature and best supporting female i don't know why that feels written weird it won a gotham award it won sundance sundance palm Springs, santa barbara great it got all these nominations all these awards it deserved more (laughs) will argue Uh, uh, no girl i mean like maybe it did but um there's like 50 awards listed here did it win all of them though? It should have won. <laughs> it won a lot of them. Good. As a side note, I feel kind of bad for people who are nominated this year because you didn't get the experience of sitting in a theater and picking up your award in a, in a fancy dress. Like I hope they get a redo. They're probably enjoying it. Yeah, because I, I watched uh... the um, I watched the some of the Emmys, and so I was specifically watching the Shit's Creek feed of like what they were doing at Casa Loma. And I honestly think that would probably be more enjoyable than going to the regular one where you're just mm-hmm. sitting in a fucking like amphitheater the whole time. Yeah. And it's like a four hour ceremony. This one, when you're not being talked about, you can walk around, you can talk, you can chill, you can live your life. You're hanging out mostly with just people you like. I think that uh, you, you probably lose a couple of things there, but it seems good. I personally missed the photo wall. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> I missed inc- coming on a Sunday, on a Monday, and be like, these are the dresses I like the most. These are the dresses I like the, le- the least. Let's discuss. Some people still had that. Listen, Zendaya's was excellent. Seeing mm-hmm. Zendaya's photos in her house. God. Guys, yeah. what a good movie. Have you guys seen it? No. I haven't yet, but it's been on my list. It's one of those ones where I want to be able to, sometimes I look at a movie and I'm like, I want to be able to pay attention to this. Like I want to be able to sit and I want to be able Mm -hmm. to enjoy it. Um, So it's been on my list, but I haven't quite hit it yet. That's what I like about a movie theater. I'm immersed. I don't look at my phone. I'm Mm -hmm. focused. That's what's missing. This one one will rope you in. Like you don't feel the time go by for sure. It's like, and I find it really surprising because I do have trouble watching certain types of movies and this definitely would have classified as one of the ones i would have trouble watching but it was so good and also just aquafina is so good i'm so glad she's in more things now like it's just anyway christina what's your best movie so this was okay given the fact that there actually wasn't a ton of movies that came out this year this was a little bit difficult i have to say this is not my pick but definitely technically the absolute best movie that came out this year was his house on netflix for mm-hmm. me, that movie is almost untouchable in terms of how good it was. Um, I think it like got wrapped up as a kind of like a holiday horror, but it just absolutely excellent. The only reason I'm not picking that is because the movie I am picking is very I just I just like you're like, I know that technically this is not as good of a movie, but man, I loved it. Um, so it's definitely something like that. And my pick is The Personal History of David Copperfield with Dev Patel. Um, it was supposed to, so I watched this last year at two, in 2019 at TIFF and it was supposed to come out at some point this year. And with everything going on with COVID, it kept getting sort of pushed back. And finally it got a digital at home release not that long ago. If you're in Canada, which I think like all of our listeners are, you can go to the Cinebuck store, you can rent it. I'm sure you can rent it at like your local, whatever, if you're not. And this is a movie where I have to say, I've watched it both ways now. So I watched it at home and I watched it in a theater. This is one of those movies where I fully believe a home release is the thing to do right now. I do think this movie is better in a theater because the this is a retelling of a Charles Dickens book, uh, but the director is Armando Iannucci and he did The Death of Stalin. 
he worked on Veep and he created the original version, like the British version of Veep, which was the thick of it, um, which came out like significantly beforehand. I, re- for me, Armando Yanucci uh, is kind of similar to N.K. Jemison, where it's like everything you do, I kind of like. Like there is something about the way you direct characters and the way your scripts are written that just feed me with its right amount of satire. So before I knew anything about what the personal history of David Copperfield was, initially I swear to God, I thought it was the magician. Like I didn't put any brain behind it. I was like, what a weird choice for this man, but okay. I love Death of the Soul and it's easily one of my absolute favorite movies. So I'll go and I'll watch this and I'll love it. And this is, personal history of David Copperfield is so different because it's very optimistic. It's not a movie about people being idiots. It's about a movie about people being a, a person being good and other people near them being good and some of them not. And just how do you overcome the bad shit around you? And David Copperfield, Dev Patel is the perfect person for this. Um, the director, Armando, was like, when I wrote this, it was Dev Patel. It was Dev Patel from the beginning. There was never anyone else that it could be. And because he cast Dev Patel, what he chose to do was that it's kind of that colorblind casting where anyone is of any race. So like families are made up of like um, the one of the like side characters is this black woman. Her father is an Asian man. Uh, Dev Patel's mother is white. You never see who his father is like everything. But his aunt is white. So you assume like his parents are both white. It's just not one of those things that's ever talked about. And yes, that's not the best way to do representation. Like generally, you would acknowledge what it means for these characters to be of different races. But for this particular story, it's not about that. It's just about great actors being really fucking interesting in the roles that they're in. And I think it works really well. He also does this thing where nobody ever has that very put upon historical fiction accent where it's like that very high fake British accent. He's like, and he said this at TIFF and I've always, I just love this. Because he said a similar thing for Death of Stalin, and I loved it there too. He's like, why would they speak like that if this is their present? Like, the whole idea is this is their now, so they would speak the way that we speak now. Because it's their now. And there was something about that, I'm like, what a, I don't know why I like that, but I fucking it, do. And also, I definitely think it made it a lot more accessible, like, the language. Even if they used the same words, if they had done it in that other way to speak, I don't think it would have been as accessible, for sure. It absolutely wouldn't have. And I think that's something that he does a lot. Like, if you go back to Death of Stalin, even though it's out with Russia, everybody has the world's randomest accents and nobody's putting on a Russian accent because he was like, if they're speaking English with a Russian accent, that means they're speaking English with a Russian accent. They wouldn't be speaking English. They'd be speaking Russian. So they should all just speak whatever language they speak because that's their language. And it was that moment. It's the exact same concept of this. And I just really like what that does for a movie. I like the way that it, it everything is in the actors in his movies. And David Copperfield is just like that. This is also a story where it opens up with David Copperfield on a stage introducing his story. So you get the idea that the whole movie is his narrative of what happened. And so that gives it a very surreal kind of vibe because it's not like an exact thing it's not that he walked barefoot for thousands and thousands and thousands of miles this is his version of events this is how he viewed the people in his life and that makes it so great when some of those people 
are so much larger than life. Like Hugh Laurie is in this movie. Um, uh, I yeah, Tilda Swinton, Peter Capaldi, Ben Wishaw. Like they, Ben Wishaw, uh, they come together to all be these like really cool, like just. I want to watch great it so bad. So I literally watched it last night. I want to watch it so bad. I'm in love. And also, like, I think the advantage of we're blind casting for this one, because it's such a well-known book and has been adapted before, it, like, it, it made sense that, like, you would just know the characters anyway. So casting them however you want, it was, like, not really, like, you didn't have to explain anything for this one. I do like the way they changed it to like almost like he's presenting his book as a play at the beginning i loved that for sure because it's very different from what you would have done back then it makes more sense for now and that's i think that's why it would have also done way better in theaters for sure um and just like like every bizarre notion so like if you haven't read the actual book you don't need to um no Dickens just like even with his like satire and his like more uplifting books and this one is supposed to be uplifting and loosely based on his own life by the way it like this movie did it so much better it's less depressing because the actual book is super depressing if you actually read it even though it's quote-unquote uplifting at the end whatever no fuck it this movie actually is uplifting it's fucking hilarious everything is so bizarre like I feel like I was like the whole movie was a fever dream for me and I just like (laughs) woke up at the end it was like okay this is life but yeah excellent and what a fucking hottie remember when I saw him on the street in Toronto, yeah, we yep. were together. Yeah, we saw him watch. What a beautiful man! Just like I am, so happy he's the lead in this movie because it really makes it. He's so perfect for it. Like, uh, I, yeah, one thousand percent. And one thing I like too, and I, I'll say this: it's kind of a spoiler, sort of. But this is a hard movie. Like, I feel like you can kind of see this coming. Overall, there are two romances in this story. There's two love interests for uh-huh. the main character. Tell me more. And one of them does not end up being obviously his end game. Another character is. But what I really like about it is even though that other character could end up being really vilified, like you could absolutely see a world where she doesn't love him anymore because of decisions that he's made or because how much money he has. Like you can see them doing that. But instead, it's just a very, again, partially because it's him telling his own story it's a thing where it's like, you like her. She had the best of intentions. She was very sweet. They just, she didn't fit. It just wasn't the right fit. Like, that's literally the line. So I that, don't fit here. That Ugh. is actually a redone version for the movie. If you read, this is not a spoiler because this book is how old. Yeah. But like, <laughs> you, if you read the original, he actually ends up marrying the first girl. And she dies. And that's why he Oof. eventually goes to the other, other woman. And I was like... I l- damn okay okay i like this version better because the other woman doesn't deserve that because the other woman is excellent she exactly. is the smartest <laughs> character in the whole thing oh beautifully done. nice i'm excited i want to yeah. watch it Do highly it. recommend it's genuinely it's such a beautiful movie i love the director i love everybody that's in it i think this for me is absolutely my top pick of the year i'll watch it over and over again <laughs> and of course my favorite line Remember me at my best. <laughs> oh, that's oh, I need that. Yeah, when you, when the character you that says that line, when you see him, oh, God, like I don't know if they wanted me to hate him. I didn't. I fucking loved him. No, I think that I think there's maybe only 
two characters in this that you're supposed to genuinely hate. And I think everyone else is. People are complicated. But I think the only two people you're genuinely supposed to hate are in classic, classic Victorian fashion, the step relatives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I should be watching this movie immediately right now. I'm so excited for that. I love it. Four ninety nine on the Cineplex app or free with your same points. <laughs> oh, That's- shit. Yep. So uh, as a reminder, that was my best movie of the year, Personal History of David Copperfield. Go out, watch it right now. Mine was The Farewell. It is definitely on some sort of streaming app. Please watch it. Mine is an American Murder, The Family Next Door. Dun, dun, dun. All right, now we've done the highs, and now it's time for a very quick, a quick little uh, interlude for the very, very lows. So, Steph, what was the garbage movie of the year for you? I wouldn't say garbage so much as disappointing to a 10th degree, and that would be To All the Boys I Love Before 2. P.S. I Love You. Uh, As we discussed before we started recording this movie was directed by a man which bad choice clearly uh you can tell peter kavinsky is up his own ass too much to like actually try and act so there's like one part that's good and they're like moody broody in an aquarium looking at each other tense but like that's the only part then you bring in beautiful jordan fisher and you underutilize him because Although visually this movie was beautiful, but that's So this is my issue because a woman directed the first one. Excellent. The first one, I remember being blown away by how much I enjoyed it. I watched that recently. Exactly. (laughs) It's so much better. Mm -hmm. And then I remember we watched this at your house. So we looked it up. The person that directed the second one, he was the cinematic cinematographer cinematographer on Haunting of Hill House. And that's very obvious for this. But how... For such a a fucking popular franchise, how did you go from a very well-established director to who you were allowed to make this movie as a woman to then picking up someone that's never directed a movie before and direct, like, is good at visuals? The first movie is, like, nice to look at, but this is not a movie for visuals. It's a romantic comedy. That's not the point. And, like, the plot of this movie is that they're gonna break up. There's tension, but it's not executed to my standards that I am expecting. What I would have loved is I would have loved a director who saw fucking Kavinsky phoning it in. And yelled like, at him? I, like, come on. Not just yelled at him, been like, oh, that's how you're going to act? Guess what? She picks Jordan in this one. <laughs> I make him concerned if he's going to even be in the third movie. Because that's what he needed. Because, I'm sorry, Noah, you haven't actually made any good movies outside of To All the Boys. You're fun to look at. You're a great thirst architect. I support it. Mm-hmm. But you don't get to walk around like you're a professional actor. I've seen your other movies, okay? The only reason he's good is because he's playing off Lana Condor. Condor. Like, that's the only reason why he is good in the first movie. You, like, it's magic between the two of them. She brings you onto a level you have yet to achieve in any other movie that you've done. So you need to be banging on your knees to, <laughs> to Lana being like, oh, I need to bring my A game and not just phone in him because I think I'm hot and have a bajillion million followers on Instagram. Because yeah. Sierra Bur- Burgess is a loser. Nope, Awful. wasn't good in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one with the dating app, the two with the dating app oh, yeah. wasn't good in those neither of those the the more like teen dating app one 
that one was a little bit better. The girl in that one played off a little bit more, but still not very good. Uh, and everything else, it's like he only he popped into all the boys I love before, and then he acted like he's the one that made to all the boys I love before good. And it was like, no, son, it was Lana and the story, and you were just the perfect face to go with it. You are replaceable, and Jordan Fisher is absolutely the replacement. Yeah. Yeah, you were just a symptom of something that was great without you. Yeah, it's a syndrome because the the kissing booth, which I literally have never watched. I know for a fact that Jordan, oh, so terrible. Jake, sorry, Jacob Elordi, who broke up with Zendaya. Mistake of your fucking life, sir. I don't know what happened there. I hope she dumped you. Mean like, what am I doing with my life? Couldn't care less about the second movie. You, Everyone on Tumblr, Twitter is pissed about the fact that he can't give one ounce of a shit. <laughs> to publicize this movie so i'm like what's happening with these 22 23 year old actors that think they're hot shit just because they have one good movie like that's not how you sustain a career where is their manager yelling at them being their mom being like what the fuck are you doing that that's my job i'm gonna make that job for me you need a reality <laughs> check i'll come and bring it for you we i have to say we gotta move on from this but i think one final note to talk about how bad this was one of our most popular episodes is we did an entire episode dedicated to all mm. the boys I've loved before. To all the pods I've loved before is a major episode for us. It was really good in terms of like people really liked it. A lot of people listened to it. It's one of our highest view, our highest listened to show. We did not bother making one for the second one. We haven't talked about it until now. Yeah. Because it sucked. Even though we all got <laughs> together to watch it together. Back when we could see each other in we person. Did, like, went to Steph's house. Over. <laughs> I showed my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> did a fashion show uh sorry that's it no, i'm gonna stop yeah. talking it's like yeah. it just like burned my heart but there's two two more movies or one more movie one more movie whenever that d- one more yeah. comes out nah. all right my shitty movie of the year is one i watched i feel like recently it might have been two months ago who knows it's part of the the new netflix franchise of originals or whatever called inheritance Starring Lily Collins and Simon Pegg, it is a terrible movie that pretends to be some sort of, like, mysterious family secrets revealed type of movie. Oh, what is this district attorney going to do? Is she going to figure out who this man who's locked in her dad's weird bunker in the forest is? No. It's it's terrible. It's I don't even know. I don't know how to describe it. I think that was good enough. It was terrible. I hated every single moment of it. Stop pretending you're something you're not terrible seems good that i just remember that movie ended up being so anticlimactic like it's building up this whole thing of like what the tension here's what's going on what's gonna happen i literally okay loki i watched this movie while i was waxing my legs i was like i just need something on in the background i saw this movie saw simon peg i was like i love simon peg done put it on when it ended i remember being like wait what like that okay that was the your real ending? story here is how her dad is a total asshole like what is happening with her father who was who was dead by the beginning of the movie by the yeah. way this is like post it was it also it's like okay realistically a lot of media coming out lately really calling out the fact that uh in a lot of families daughters expected to do everything and is hated mm-hmm. and the sons literally don't have to the sons sneeze and everyone in the family is like, oh, we love you. You're perfect. They're like, in the freaking will. Okay, in the will. This is what made me angry. In the will, he leaves like, what, a million bucks to his son, donates the rest or something, gives nothing to his daughter. She gets, she gets what, a, a, a little envelope was, full of information. 
No, no, he leaves half of his estate to a charity. He gives his, and don't get me wrong, this is also rich people problems. He gives his son $20 million. 20 million. He gives her $1 million. And yeah. like, $1 million is the thing to sneeze at. But when there was $20 million floating around, uh, what the fuck? Yeah, and I mean, like, all this whole movie, pretty predictable in the sense that you, I mean, you know what's going to happen again. It's just, it pretends to be a secretive, like, high thrill political I don't even know what. <laughs> the only good thing about this movie was her cute little family, and that was it. <laughs> All the reviews I'm seeing, this is the perfect cure for insomnia. <laughs> and, like, that's it. Everyone keeps saying the same thing. Movie was it, was awful. it also made no sense constantly. Constantly, you're like, why wouldn't you just run away? Like, it constantly made no also, sense. Yeah, like, there were things that she did that I was like, why? Why would you do that? Or, like, there were it, almost like the movie almost kind of promoted being like a crook in politics and Wall Street. It never really countered that point. And I was like, okay. <laughs> anyway, terrible. Chris, you know what was a terrible <laughs> movie? <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to tell you right now Antebellum, you're on thin ice. I did not pick Antebellum. And the <laughs> only reason I did not pick Antebellum is Janelle Monet. That's it. She's the only reason. She keeps being in things that don't deserve her. Antebellum was not bad in that, like, oh, this is a bad movie. It was bad in that, why? This is a terrible decision to make. Every decision made in that movie, mm, absolutely not. But it had Janelle Monet, so it just ekes out over the genuine worst movie of the year. In terms of, like, what will go down as the worst movie made in 2020, it's this one. I'm correct about it. And it's Doolittle with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> First of all, didn't even know this movie came out. It was popped up on Crave a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, oh, this must be really old. This must be pre-Iron Man. Because why would Robert Downey Jr., who makes a disgusting amount of money for Iron Man, why would he Why would he make this? Like, why would he willingly be in this movie? So I thought it was old. Found out it came out earlier this year. I think it, it was in theaters because it came out January 17th. It was on I every never... billboard, every bus that passed by. I, my brain protected me from this information, okay? Because it wasn't until Crave that I even realized it existed. And then, and I'm sorry, like, okay, I get that Doolittle was like a book and then it was a 1967 movie and then it was Eddie Murphy. Here's the thing about this. Once you rewrite a character to be black, you don't get to come back and have them be white again. I I just, if you really want to make re- remake Dr. Doolittle, you've now set the standard. Dr. Doolittle is black. Green Lantern, black. I, this just what it Eddie is Murphy. now. Who's going to top that? <laughs> it was so much better. And so this one, because the Eddie Murphy Dr. Doolittle is modern for when it was made. This goes back to the 1800s and it's kind of like the original story or whatever. What? Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's very... Doolittle is an adventurer and he has to go like an island and uh, he had a wife and the wife went missing and now he refuses to talk to humans. So he lives in like a random part of a rainforest with all his animal buddies. But then the queen needs his help because she's sick. And so she needs him for some reason because they're friends. And so the queen's daughter goes to this random part of the world to find him at the same time, a little boy who needs to get a squirrel that he accidentally shot fixed also goes there and then they go on their little adventure to go save the queen. And then it's just so it's, Oh God, it's so stupid. I literally, here's the level of expectation I had for this movie. It's 11 PM midnight, midnight. 
I am chilling on my phone playing games. I just need something in the background while I'm talking to you guys, while I'm playing around with shit. I my expectation was all you have to do is be noise and you will do what I need a movie to do until a, such a time where I feel like it is respectable for me to go to bed. That's what I'm looking for here. It was so bad at 12:45, I stopped the movie and picked a different movie and then when I couldn't find anything I was like I guess I'm just going to bed then. Like this movie literally said no, you should be in bed by 1. That's what happened. It is genuinely so terrible. It has a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's more than the inheritance. The lowest percentage is right now on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm sure there's like a 3 or a 4% out there. And it's probably not even a bad movie. It's probably like Ghostbusters. Um, What's crazy too is like, here's a list of some of the people who are voices in this movie. Antonio Banderas. Michael Sheen. uh, Emma Thompson. Rami Malek, John Cena, Camille Nanjamani, Octavia Spencer, Tom Holland, Craig Robertson, Ralph Fiennes, Selena Gomez. Those were voices of animals. How is Robert Downey Jr. in this movie? (laughs) How did, how, what, 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 who, who has blackmail against you? That's the question. What, this is, like, what is this? This is very, um, Johnny Depp doing Mordecai. It's like, what? is going on that you were roped into this i don't understand so that is my absolute worst movie but as i mentioned antebellum mm, they're nice you're lucky that this came out instead (laughs) thank you guys so much for listening that was our best uh movies of 2020 or next week's episode will be best tv shows of 2020 as always you can catch us on twitter and on instagram at eatscast or on pinterest at everyone and their sister pod let us know what are some of your best and worst Please go watch Personal History. Please go watch Farewell. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Remember me at my best. (laughs) Remember us at our best, always. Mistakes were made in the previous episode.